We're coming to the end today of the series that we've been looking at, uh, Survivor's Guide to the End of the World. And if you've not been able to hear the messages and would like to pick them up, you can go to hamlinbaptist.com, go under the message tab, and you can they're listed there. You can pick them up and hear the teachings of this series. I'd love for you to be a part of that. Next week, I want to tell you in advance so that you can take some time this week. We're going to start a four-week series out of Romans chapter 8. And here's what it's going to be about. What's normal? What is normal Christianity? What is it supposed to look like? And when we look at Romans chapter 8, I think we're going to find some, if you know, if you know the book of Romans, many of you do, you'll know that's one of the highlights of all scripture as to identifying what God, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. So be reading ahead, Romans chapter 8, we're going to kind of tear that apart for the next few weeks and see what the Lord has to say to us. Today, I'm going to be doing a little bit of a scripture survey through the New Testament because we're going to be identifying the uh, prophecies and the fulfillment that's going to occur when Jesus returns. And on your bulletin, you might want to follow along with it because I'm going to do quite a bit of scripture uh, walking through this. And this might help direct you. It's on the back of the bulletin. It's a, uh, some sermon notes. Would love for you to kind of follow along with that. The Old Testament is filled with prophecies concerning the uh, first coming of Jesus Christ. The first advent of the Messiah when he would come as a baby. Uh, some scholars say there's over 1,800 references of an Old Testament message about the coming Jesus as the birth, as the baby that when he came. 17 of the Old Testament books uh, are given to that instruction or tell that story. Uh, in the New Testament, we have about 318 references to the second coming of Jesus Christ, the second advent when the Lord will come again. One scholar uh, in the midst of that study was just talking about there were out of the 27 books of the New Testament, 23 books talk about this second coming of Jesus Christ. It's not a small issue of Scripture. It is the central theme of Scripture from the first coming of Christ to the second coming that the New Testament tells us about. When Jesus came and fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies in His birth, he came at that time very differently than how he's going to come the second time. The first time he came, and if you'll remember the Jews, the Jewish folks missed him. And do you remember why they missed him? They thought that he was going to come back as a basically a military general and was going to raise up Israelites to the highest position in the world to no longer be the abused people, but he was going to raise them to that position. And the reason many of them missed him and are still missing him is because that was their impression of who this Messiah was going to be. And when Jesus came, if you'll remember, he didn't come as the general. He came as a baby in a cattle manger, lowly. He came in our flesh so that he could know our physical our emotional, our spiritual weakness in the, in the broken sin nature. He wasn't, but he came and dwelt among us so that he might know us and we might know the Father. So he came as a baby the first time. 
The first time he came, he came as a lamb. We'll know that from the, all the way back to the Passover teaching. Take the blood of the lamb and paint it over the doorposts of the house. So the first time he came, he came as the very last perfect blood sacrifice to fulfill the covenant. Totally fulfilled when he came. So he came as a lamb to pay for our sin and to pay for our failures. He also came as a suffering servant, not as the military leader. And this is what threw off the disciples, if you remember when he was meeting with the disciples in the upper room. And remember what happened, he took out of, off his outer robe, it says, and he bound up his, his uh, robe and then got down on his knees while these guys were having dinner around the table and he was down underneath that washing their feet. And they said, what are, what, what are you doing? This is not what the Messiah and Jesus came the first time as the suffering servant so that he would know the condition of man and to let us know that he came to seek and to save us, that which is lost. And also to be familiar with the pain and the grief and the difficulty of this life. Jesus is going to totally fulfill the New Testament scriptures about his second coming, just like he totally fulfilled the Old Testament when he came the first time. The second coming, like I said, is going to be very different. And we're going to survey some scripture today in the New Testament. So I have your Bibles, and we're going to jump around a bit, because I've picked out the main passages that talk about what Jesus promises that he is going to do, going to fulfill in the future ahead of us. I don't feel like it is very far ahead of us. There's a good chance that in this lifetime, in this generation, we may see the fulfillment of all the things we've been talking about. And if they do, I was talking with Brother Calvin about it, that remember last week we talked about the feasts and the festivals and how all the New Testament feasts have already been fulfilled in the first coming of Christ. And that the old, that the, the harvest, the fall feast, will be fulfilled when he comes the second time. And it's a good chance that a lot of those things will happen in the fall of the year at a very close period of time. But he is going to fulfill all of those prophecies. So we're going to survey scripture. When he comes again this time, he's not coming as a lamb or a baby or the suffering servant. The scripture reveals that he's coming somewhat, matter of fact, quite a lot different. In Revelation, if you want to turn there quickly, 19, verses 11 through 16, the scripture, and remember who's writing this. This is John, <clears throat> who was imprisoned by the government because of his faith and belief in, in Jesus. And he's on this uh, deserted island. And on the Lord's Day, remember, it talks about that the Lord took him up into a vision. And he was able to see into the future. And that's what we're reading. And this is, and while I read this, I need you to don't read or think in black and white print. I'd love for you to turn on your colorful imagination and see, picture this in that place in your mind of what John says is going to be like when he comes this next time. He's not coming as a baby. He's coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Every knee, it says, will bow on that day. And every tongue, even those who would fight against him today and war against him today, on that day is going to get on their knees and declare he is God. 
It's going to be a significant day. Here's what John saw. Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Got it pictured? Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. If you don't know who this is, it's Jesus. His name was written on him that no one understood except him. That's a mystery. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, picture it behind him, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. And from his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron, uh, with an iron rod, and he will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. And on his robe, at his thigh, was written this title. King of kings and Lord of lords. John saw that. God gave him the ability to look into a future presentation and see Jesus coming out of the sky on this, on this, in this victory position. So when he comes again, he's coming as king of kings and lord of lords. Do I hear amen? I can't wait. Second, when he comes again, he's going to be preceded by an event. That the scripture calls, calls out. And the original word for that sounds like rapture. So that's where we've gotten the term for it. Before this king comes, there's going to be a calling out of the bride of Christ. The body of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul saw it. Remember Paul also had a, an experience that he went up to the third heaven. Remember that time where he said, I've been, I was called up. He said, I don't know if I went there in a vision, I don't know if God took me actually there, but when he was there, he began to see some things. And this is what Paul saw about this event where we will be called out of the earth. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15. We who are still alive and are left till the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, that seventh trumpet, and it says the dead will burst out first, will come alive first. After that, we who are still alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be from that point on forever with the Lord. So before this king comes, there is going to be a calling out of the bride of Christ. And we can argue day and night about when that's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And we might all be wrong, but I'm telling you, he's coming. And I know that for sure. When he comes again, the third thing is going to, it's going to be a worldwide awareness event. When he comes the second time, it will not be where some people will miss it. This is going to be a worldwide visual event when the Lord comes. It says in Revelation chapter 1 verse 7, I'll read that. Look, he is coming in the clouds. Every eye will see him. And those who even pierced him and all the peoples of the earth will mourn that rejected him because of him. So we have that picture. When he comes, it says every eye will see. And everyone that have 
that has refused Jesus is going to go into grieving because they realize at that point when they see the Lord that they will have missed it. Second thing I want us to look at, the prophecies that meant to be fulfilled in his second coming. Go to John chapter 14 verses 1 through 3. What it says in this passage is that he is coming to take us to be with him. He's coming to get us to be with him forever. So here's what it says in John 14, 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. It's kind of hard to do, isn't it, in our day? I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you struggle with worry and anxiety and stress? And how are we going to make it? What are we going to do? You know, all of that stuff of just survival here. He says this. This is Jesus' words. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I'm going to fill this in, and it's not scriptural. He says, I got this. I've got this. Trust God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house. And by the way, on Easter Sunday morning, I'm going to tell you about that house. It blows my mind what he is creating for us. And it's right there in Scripture. Come here on, on Easter. I want to I paint the picture of what this is going to look like on that day. I, in my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you. Listen to this. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I'm going to prepare a place, I'm going to come back. And I'm going to take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. Thank you, Jesus. You know the way to the place where I am going. We know that because Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. So how do we know to get there? Get in, get in with the Lord Jesus. Get your life there. Second thing, the second prophecy is Hebrews 9.28. He is coming to complete salvation of the saints. He's coming to finalize our salvation walk with him. Here's what it says in Hebrews 9.28. So Christ was, cruci- was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. He's coming to make the salvation that we now hold by faith fully complete when he comes. So that's one of the prophecies of the New Testament telling us what he's going to do when he comes this time. I just don't want to be like the Jews where we missed him. This time the scripture paints a picture pretty clearly what he's going to be when he comes. The third thing is 2 Thessalonians 1.10. He's coming to reveal, watch this, his glory to his people. Have you ever stopped and think about Glory. It's hard to describe. I've looked it up every way I know to look it up. And I don't, think it, I don't think we have an English word or words to describe what that is. We have some times when this occurred, when this glory showed up in Scripture. Back at the temple in the Old Testament. Remember after they put the temple up and they, and they were dedicating the building It says the glory, the Shekinah is the word that they use. The Shekinah glory of God moved in and filled the temple. And it says that the priests, the preacher, teachers, singers couldn't do their thing anymore because they got down on their face before this presence. 
and this, the, what I found, uh, that it means a deep level of honor, a sense of great respect, but still, you understand that doesn't say the, what it is. It is the glory of God. And when he comes, he's going to reveal that to us. I think we have a, a pinch of it. Because the spirit of God's in you. There's a pinch of the glory. You have a, you have a seed of the glory of God within you. But what's going to happen on that day, it's going to be totally full and fulfilled in us and through us. That's why I worship Worship is so important to me in the church. And honestly, my wife will tell you, I could care less about the style of the music. I don't really care. You know what I care about? Is that when true worship starts happening, and by the way, it was happening this morning. Did you sense that? The presence of the Lord. That's the weight. But that's another word for glory, the weight. There's a weight that comes. It's like almost a pressure, but not a negative pressure. When it comes, it's almost like life. And I said, Lord, what are you going to do? Because when that kind of worship is happening, he's, he's always on the move. He's getting ready to do something. And that was happening this morning. That's why worship is so important to me. When God's people, I don't care if the singer up here is singing uh, in 10 octaves off. But you know if there's worship coming out of their heart, the glory of the Lord fills the place. Because he says he inhabits the praises of his people. So if you wonder why I want and push and want us to be a people of worship, it's not for performance. I could care less what you do. What I am interested in is the presence of, the God, of our God among his people. And when he moves, everything begins to happen. We can plan for years and it not ever happen. We can do all kinds of programs and those are awesome. But that's not what you're looking for. It's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the presence of God. The glory of God to be among his people. So that, I watched a video uh, of this young lady. Some of you may have seen it. I may show it to you coming up. It got me so hard. There was this young girl. Looked like she's doing a concert. She started telling her testimony. She was going to commit suicide. She's, and somebody, a grandma or somebody, asked her to come to, just come with me, come to the worship. No, I don't want to go. She was in all kinds of stuff. And she said, when I came in, the preacher stopped and was te had tears running down his eyes. says, there's a spirit of suicide in this room. I said, thank you, Lord, for giving that revelation. And she said, he was just an old white-haired guy. But something happened. The Lord was speaking. And he, she said that wasn't enough. There was another old white-haired guy toward the end of the service that walked up to me and started telling me things about my life. There's no way he could have known. And that was the day. She said, I know there is a living God. How? Through a people understanding the presence of the power of God and the glory working through them. And they had the courage enough to say, Here's a word for you, dear. And he spoke the word, and this girl was on stage getting ready to sing a song of worship. And she was declaring, I was going to kill myself that night. But the Spirit of God worked through old, white-headed, couple of white-headed guys. It fired something in me again. 
Because I want us to be that people. I don't care what happens. I don't care if we get to sing or if we get to preach. I don't care. But if the glory of the Lord moves in this house and the Lord gives you a word to speak life or to pray a prayer of faith to somebody you may not even know and you, and you take action upon that, the Spirit of God changes people's lives. And I'm telling you, that's all I want to be a part of. I don't want to be, I'm, I love our church, but the church organization means zero to me. We do all that to do to get to where we can be a people where the glory of God is so powerful in our midst that lives are changed. And we will not be calm anymore coming by ourselves and sitting in our pew and doing our hour and then going to lunch. We won't ever do that again. When the presence of the Lord is here, you're going to drag everybody you know to come and experience what God is doing. We're not waiting on Him. He's waiting on us. Sorry, that was free. To reveal His glory among His people. Four, to bring light to the hidden things of darkness. 1 Corinthians 4 says, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motive of men's hearts. Whereas there is a judgment coming that will expose everything. The fifth one, to judge, it says this. Paul says it in 2 Timothy 4.1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living from the dead. If you're living, meaning those of you who have Christ. The dead are those who are dead in trespass and sin because you have not received him. And in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. And then here's, I think Paul is revealing the three or four things here that we will be judged about. It may be what, not what you thought. But he goes on to say this, be prepared, no, preach the word. You said, I don't have to preach, I'm not a preacher, wrong. Wrong. The first thing he's going to say is, did you tell him about me? Vicki showed me a video, was it Kathy Lee Gifford? Gave kind of a, te- a pretty powerful testimony. And, uh, and that's what she said. I, people asked, she said, why, people ask me, why are you so bold to be able to tell about Jesus? And she says, well, it's kind of, I say it like this. What if I do the cure of cancer and I kept it to myself because I was afraid they may not want to hear it. She said, no, if I found that cure, I'm going to tell everybody I know. She says, I have the cure. The Lord has shown me the cure of the sin condition of man. How can I be quiet? It says, be, preach the word. That's you. It's how you live. It's what you say. It's what you do. Be prepared in season and out of season. That's what it's saying right here in this uh, 2 Timothy 4. What if, he, what if the question is, well, were you faithful? Did you serve me? Did you, did I, did you, were you able to do when I called you to do? Or did you quit? Did you say, well, I've done my time. I don't have to do that anymore. Well, I've always said when the Lord's there, he's going to take you home. When he's done with us, he's going to take us home. Until he comes, I'm telling you, you're a member and a part of the body of Christ. And in that, you are to be walking the fullness of the Spirit so that it's not, we're not walking around saying, well, I don't like that color or that song or that preacher or that. We walk, Lord, what do you want me to say today? 
Because I come in here, Lord, and I want to, if you have a word from me, to me, for somebody, I'm on it. You just show me, and I'll do it. You be the old gray-headed man that walks up to that young lady that was going home to guilt herself, and you'd speak words of life into her and see what happens. You're saying, well, that, that only happens to those special few. Not only, it only happens to those who are willing. Let's be willing. He said, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct. Do you, do you correct those that are off, attitude off, or whatever? Rebuke when you have some of the folks that are off on Scripture. They're not dealing with truth. Rebuke that. Bring it back into alignment. Then he says, did you encourage? Did I spend my time walking up and around believers and lifting their arms and saying, you're at a weak time, we're going to hold your arms and we won't let them down. Remember the story of Moses, right? That's what I'm talking about. We're just doing that for your daddy. And we're not going to stop. Because he's fought the battle for us, he's led us, he's one of the, I think, told brother, I told somebody this week, I think Brother Calvin's one of our pastors, I think TK's one of our pastors. And in the midst of that, we're going to need to hold arms high. So you've ever been there? I have. I wasn't here when it happened. But I've been there where I had no strength left in my arms to lift anything. But then there were people that walk around and take your arm and say, Brother, stand. Just be faithful. The Lord, is, the Lord is sufficient. So do you encourage and with great patience and careful instruction. When he comes the second time, I'm going to do this quick. He's going to come to reign. Revelation eleven fifteen, The seventh trumpet sounded the seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in the heaven which said, the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of this world that we're living on has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and we will reign forever and ever. When he comes, he's coming to reign. Give you a little hint. Heaven will be here. Come Easter, I'll tell you a little more about it. Heaven will be here. I used to sing this old country song. I found out it's not true. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. You know that one? Well, part of that's true, but reality, there's going to be a recreation here. And something's going to come and set on this earth called a new Jerusalem, which is going to blow your mind. And, on, and then his kingdom is going to come here. And the seventh, he's going to come to destroy death. 1 Corinthians 15, 25. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Whew, isn't that awesome? The last enemy that's going to be done away with in his kingdom is going to be death. Thank you, Jesus. What difference does this make for me? First, be prepared for the return. I'm not going to read it because of time, but 2 Peter 3, 3 through 9, you look that up, and it says that some people are going to say, well, it's been forever since he said that. And it's going to be forever until he does it. But what he was saying in here for him, a thousand years is like a day, and like a day is like a thousand years. So it's not a long-term thing for his return. And it says the main reason he's waiting, you know why he's waiting? It says right at the end of this, 
but he is waiting for the good reason that he is not willing that any should perish. And he is giving them more time as sinners to repent. If you want to know why he's not coming, we got people around us that are not ready. And he does not want any of us, anybody, to be separated from him. Plan, work, and live a holy life is the next one. Keep busy attempting to lead people to Jesus. And then the last one, look up those scriptures when you get home. And the last one is this, comfort and love one another. It says in the latter days in that passage that the love of most is going to grow cold. And it's going to begin to talk about there being conflict. Have you watched the news? Fighting, have you, do you read Facebook? Fighting, contentions, wars. He said that will increase toward the end. What does it say to do? Love one another, full hearted. Kathy Lee, in that same thing, I, she showed me this morning. She went to see Billy Graham and he was kind of in that phase where I saw my father go through the phase where you, he's there if you can get him to come out, but he's kind of internal. And she got down in his face and said, you know, I'm Kathy Lee. And, he, and Billy Graham said to her, Kathy Lee, I love you. I said, isn't that, I want that about me, right? I want that about me. That no matter what, what we, when people are around us, they're going to know that we love them. That's what they're going to remember. The glory of the Lord and the love of his people will change lives. And they'll never be the same.